0: So, are you just saying the orcs just like have a really bad union, and that like Sauron's Oh, come on, there's no way Mordor is unionized. Welcome to episode two of Angry Upvote. I'm Zach, and I've got Taylor here with me. Last week we, (laughs) yeah, I'm glad. Well, I got I got you where I need you. We're gonna have some talking about Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Uh, Last week we discussed. What was going on for the first six episodes uh so spoiler alert there spoiler alert for this episode we're gonna be talking about everything through episode seven and everything previous and the expanded overall tolkien legendarium or yeah whatever the name for the we're also gonna called
1: heavy silmarillion spoilers for this
0: one. Oh yeah yeah so if you guys haven't read that book that came out like you know 50 60 70 years ago you know Hold on to your hats, because it's about to get spoilery. Um, and, and we're just going to dive right in. Uh, so episode seven has happened. Uh, it's dropped. And uh, let's start off. What, what are your thoughts starting off, Taylor? What do you think? Well, how is how's the Bezos verse doing?
1: Uh, I, I still feel like the show is holding up really well. I feel like we've been really fortunate so far with our recording, because we're, we're deciding ahead of seeing each episode, kind of the general tack that we want our episodes to take. So, like, for episode six, we were kind of like, we haven't seen it yet, but we really hope some of these plot lines actually, like, lead somewhere in this episode. And then we got a really, like, eventful, plot-heavy, there were battles, all this kind of stuff. We got a lot of episode six. Then episode seven, we want to kind of talk a bit more about the backstory or... other aspects of the tolkien thing so it was like okay now we hope it slows down a bit so we don't have too much plot to cover on this one and lo and behold we get like a slowly paced very character focused episode so that worked out really well for like our selfish purposes
0: yeah yeah amazon's been very accommodating and you know we should probably remember that next time we dunk on them for this um i will continue so... to dunk
1: on jeff bezos though
0: i can't hold back uh, you know I'm just glad that the crazy Howard Hughes figures of our time are doing things like building rocket ships and making uh, media about properties I care about. It could be far worse. I know we live in the darkest Harambe timeline, but, you know, at least we got those things going for us.
1: That That's true. Okay. We could have all the same stuff and, like, not have the crazy power. So, yeah. Yeah. Silver
0: Liners. <laughs> count your blessings okay so uh so first off so episode seven what's what's going on there what did you what do you enjoy what's what's some of your uh what's some of your your takes off of the most recent episode where we we went from before door to mordor as you said uh (laughs) we've got that now i I think we've got
1: uh, we've got to acknowledge the uh the like PowerPoint slide transition of Southlands to Mordor.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. They spelt it out for us and I, I, but I couldn't help but go, yeah, like almost grinned when that came on. So that worked for me. That was, that was fun. Yeah. That was
1: definitely like a, uh, lowest common denominator, we really got to make sure everybody keeps up with this transition thing, you know, to just have it, like, (laughs) word art appear on the screen, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do, not every member of this audience already, you know, is looking as far ahead as we are as we're watching, so I get it.
0: But what else? How about, okay, first off, first thing that has to be mentioned, I hate the Isildur thing. <laughs> I hate what's going on in this episode. It's the dumbest thing. It makes yeah. me angry. <laughs> I couldn't help but like look over at my wife and be like, I don't care. And <laughs> this had better have a really good character-driven reason for drawing out this Isildur. Oh, he dead, he fallen, fiery place, ro- wood bonkhead, whatever it is going yeah. on here. Because we know he's yeah, fine. Yeah, no way he's so did. know he's yeah, fine. Yeah, Isildur yeah, is definitely yeah. fine. Even yeah, if you now, like how- slept
1: through half of Lord of the Rings, you remember there's this guy, Isildur, who <laughs> takes the ring. And they call Aragorn Isildur's heir like a billion times throughout the trilogy. So like, you <laughs> know. Even if you yeah, unless, uh, had to leave for a lot of bathroom was, breaks or something, if you've seen Lord of the Rings, you're like, okay, Eäldur makes it. We get it. We know how he is.
0: Yeah, unless bro was sowing some wild oats in high school, he's still got some stuff to do um, in order for people like Aragorn to yeah, come along. So, so um, there's no
1: dramatic tension there. It, it's it, it's we get to see like Elindial kind of struggle through it. We get it. You know, he has his moment. But like for us as viewers, it's like, oh, come on, like we don't need an Isildur death fake out. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, so that, that, that blows. And <laughs> I really hope they have a good reason for it and it's dumb and I hate it. Um, That's, that's my first gripe. Do you have any gripes that you want to go on? You know,
1: <clears throat> okay. So that's, that's really my only thing. That's like a gripe gripe. And even then it's like, I see how they're, they're totally doing like a, like an Aragorn in the first half of two towers thing, you know, uh-huh. like Aragorn's whitewater rafting adventure. And then the horse goes (laughs) and finds him and collects him up. Like they're totally doing that same thing, you know. I I guess it's like a family. It's a family deal. You get lost and your horse finds you. That's a thing, you know. I don't know. So I I, I see how they're setting it up for episode eight. He's going to have a cool adventure and then he's going to show up in Numenor and you know report something important.
0: But where is the psychic long distance call with his hot elf girlfriend? I mean, he doesn't have that, and that already happened in two towers. They've not set that up yet,
1: so we got to see like what, what they're getting instead of Liv Tyler <laughs> or <Spinson>. him. <laughs> but, um, okay. So that, that's, that's the one like gripe, gripe. I guess the other thing is, you know, uh, last time we were talking, I, I was leaning into the whole, like the Mithril storyline is kind of a red herring type deal. Uh, mm-hmm. and in this episode, it looks like they, they're committing to it and making it a real thing. Um, I'm, I'm accepting it more readily than I thought that I would. Because of those great like dwarf scenes, uh, that the actors are so great that they're selling me on it as much as like I hate the idea conceptually, the whole Mithril thing. But that that's my <laughs> other issue. Otherwise, I feel like we had a lot of great time with the characters. I feel like a lot of really good uh, lore connection stuff came out for Galadriel that fleshed her character out. We kind of see her arc. Uh, Halbrand like vanishes for literally ninety percent of the episode, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, otherwise, it, I, I, I honestly, I enjoyed the episode a lot. Um, and not just because we got a lot of Durin and Elrond.
0: But that's a big reason. It is and a big reason. You, yeah, <laughs> there is nobody in that entire storyline that is doing a bad job. Grumpy Jerk King Dad is doing a great job. Durin and Elrond are doing a great job. Disa is doing Everybody is just awesome in that whole storyline all the time. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's fabulous, and you're right. They're committing to it. Mithril really does make you know plant cancer go away, and there really is the and the Balrog is just literally down there waiting for them to like you know, drill another level or two down. So it's like going. I, I in my mind, it's gonna. It should have taken a lot longer. I I'm like it seems like these are things that would take centuries and and maybe they still will. I suppose there could be big time skips between seasons, but it seems like they're like, nah dog, like Balrog's going to show up like end of the season and, or like next season max kind of thing. So yeah, mm, that's, that's hard to say
1: because um, like Tolkien timeline wise, they don't actually hit the Balrog until sometime in the third age, which should be after the storyline ends but they're definitely going out of their way to like establish like, Hey guys, there's a Balrog down there. This is a problem. And like linking the Balrog to the Mithril thing. So that seems like something that they might move up and want to cover within the series, but it's, it can go either way. Right. Because the original timeline doesn't have that happening until much later, but you know, there's a plan. There's clearly something up with the Balrog. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. And I guess, uh, one, you, we've already pointed this out, There's the Izildur as a, you know, I, oh, he's dead and gone. He's going to have psychic horse adventure or whatever. You know, it's like, you know, Black Beauty fanfic, but with more swords, I guess. Um, but I love the idea if they're going to really do that, why don't they do that with Halbrand since he's a character that's been introduced? But then they're doing that, oh, he's going to die too with it too. Yeah, so it, it just feels kind of <laughs> sloppy double dipping because there's actual narrative tension with him. Dude could totally, yeah, he could go belly up and I would be like, "Oh, shoot. How brand dead. We're doing a subversion thing. They're kind of doing the season 1 Game of Thrones, "Oh, you think important guy is going to be a big deal? JK, he's dead. Died of an infection, you know, whatever." But maybe not. They're yeah, going to they, go
1: in the same way that to like the they're putting a Sildur on the uh like the two towers. Aragorn first half track, they're totally putting Halbrand on like the Fellowship Proto first half track, you know, oh he needs elvish medicine, horse chase, all this kind of stuff so I'm wondering what they're going to do with that also something that stood out to me is that um, Halbrand is pretty important in, you know, up to episode 6 he has a lot of scenes Mm -hmm. and a lot of screen time and then he pretty much vanishes for most of episode 7 And then in the uh, trailer for episode eight, which has already dropped, you only get like one, one little snippet of him on his horse and then otherwise he doesn't show up at all. So that's kind of like, what are they doing with him? You know, they gave him so much screen time early on and it kind of looks like he's not going to get much, maybe his arc that they had for him this season kind of already wrapped a bit with, (laughs) excuse me, with episode six and him becoming king of the Southlands, such as it is. But I, that's interesting to me. I, I'm still certain he's not Sauron. I'm going to be so upset if he is.
0: He's not. I, I don't he even can't. know if we he, should breathe he just it into the universe. Yeah, like the wish is working against us. We shouldn't even talk about it. Uh, Okay, well, so he has to go get Elvis medicine. You're right. That's almost word for word the same thing. And he's going to be hanging out with a sweet elf chick to do so. Speaking of sweet elf chicks... What's up with Galadriel? If you talk with people about the show, Galadriel is probably the biggest bone to pick. People, either you have to love it, you have to hate it, it's the worst thing, it's the best thing, whatever. What's your take on Galadriel? We have to weigh in, and we have to weigh in hard on this. What is your proclamation?
1: This is a weighty question of the Rings of Power (laughs) fandom. Like, do we love the Rings of Power Galadriel, or do we hate it? Um, I mean, and, and there's a bunch of different things where people are sort of reading in maybe their own, um, like, outside of the show, their own thoughts or concerns into it. For some people, it's like, yeah, cool, girl boss Galadriel. And then for other ones, they're like, oh, this is a big character change. We think it's, like, off the mark from what Tolkien was going for, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I, I will say that just from, like, a authenticity perspective, there's plenty of precedent for Galadriel doing like warlike or kind of like really athletic stuff there's a ton of that in there she's actually like a little bit of a mary sue in tolkien's own stuff like she's just fantastic at everything and really cool and wise and important so to the extent that people see that kind of stuff in the series a lot of it does kind of start with tolkien whether that makes it like good or okay from a character or storytelling perspective you know is a separate question um, but just in terms of being true to the character, I don't think that they're really making that big of a bend. And I think the character is supposed to be difficult. You know, we're supposed to not necessarily approve of everything that the character does.
0: True. And it makes me wonder kind of what people were hoping for. I mean, we knew that they were going to have to bring in characters that. You know, it could be a touchstone to people who have enjoyed the previous media. You know, who's right. around at this time a long time ago? Well, elves, of course, because they live like a super long time. Um, making her, I don't know, girl boss, Colonel Galadriel and her band of merry men as they go on her Don Quixote, Captain Ahab chase across the world. I mean, that's kind of a thing, I guess. I, I, that, that didn't bother me too much. And people being mad about warrior gladriel i'm like guys like they live for thousands of years i know that if i was biologically immortal i would be getting like three doctorates a century i would you know be doing all sorts of stuff like she can multi-class as many times as she wants so that doesn't bother me at all i think my biggest when you're
1: you're literally older than the sun and the moon you've got plenty of skill points to throw (laughs) around you know (laughs) they they can be good at a lot of stuff you know it's part of it's part of their deal
0: yeah, definitely. Um, but and, and my only problem with her. Was that, uh, especially starting in like the, what was it? Like the third and fourth episode is that she just seemed bratty and petulant, yeah. which that's not to say that immortal beings can't be jerks. I mean, look at all of mythology, look at so much fiction, just being immortal doesn't make you a fully self-actualized person. Um. So that's fine. But it bothered me. It bothered me a little bit. I think, I don't know if we mentioned this before when Ellen deals, like, he's like, oh, Galadriel, ha ha ha, puts his hand on her shoulder. You remind me of my teenage daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Know, who, yeah. Not really you know, a thing that like,
1: like an ancient being should be hearing. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That like kind of. And you're like, Ugh, I don't know. I mean, like maybe they just don't know what to do with the character. Car- that's what I said to myself. I'm like, I just don't know if they know what to do with her, man. Like, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. but, I, but what, but what's your take on all that? Or this like kind of like angry, moody, you know, Captain Ahab kind of Galadriel, who's kind of, she's, yeah, what's what's your take on all that? Because I think you have a more insight having, being a legendarium, Silmarillion guy who's gotten his masters in Tolkienology.
1: Yeah, I, I do have um, some kind of lore head takes on why they're taking this approach with the character. Um, I mean, part of it is just as a TV production, they want to make sure there's a lot of conflict and they want to make sure that every character is changing and growing. So if they're already showing us, like, uh, like the trilogy on Galadriel, where she's already super wise and super level-headed and extremely far-seeing and all this kind of stuff, that she doesn't have much of an arc. And, you know, it's, it's good TV to just have characters go through things. So I get that aspect. But uh, in terms of how this fits into the bigger legendarium, there's actually a, a thing that they referred to finally – in episode seven that they've left completely undiscussed up to this point which is galadriel's husband Celeborn. and if you remember in like fellowship of the ring he has like two lines and he just sounds really sleepy or whatever
0: um (laughs) where's gandalf i would greatly wish to speak with whatever exactly
1: that's the the guy um and it's like bad news uh (laughs) But
0: anyway, <laughs> uh, like with... okay. So, okay. So yeah. when I heard, when I heard that, I, and I was like, wait, she has a husband right now. I'm like, wait, yeah. is this like, yeah, and, so and she's in, like, in, yeah. And uh... he went off and he, yeah. And he, he went on deployment and he, ne- he never came back from Mordor Vietnamistan or whatever kind of thing. And I'm like, wait, so did, did, did it was the guy that was in Lord of the Rings. Is that like her second husband or something? Like, that did she, she like have to remarry? Telephone.
1: No, okay. um, in, in the that scene in, in episode seven, she says, yeah, it's her husband, Celeborn. So it's the same guy. It's just like in this version, uh, he's like POW MIA. <laughs> you know, he he goes out to the war in the first stage, and then he's missing for however long it's been, right? So th- Which this is sets something not up.
0: how it works in the books.
1: <laughs> it is not how it works in the books. What happens basically in the books is that Galadriel, in in the Silmarillion, right, the story of the first stage, Galadriel is this very important figure, kind of up to a point, and then she comes to Middle Earth, and then she meets uh, Celeborn there, who is one of the like noble elves who remained in Middle Earth, never went to Valinor, and then they get married, and then they just just vibe for like the rest of the war. <laughs> Neither of them really does anything super important. They're just like doing their whole married bliss kind of thing, and they're they're super happy, but they don't do anything in eventful, right? So you know, okay. you've talked about like we're in the Harambe timeline, and like we can't have nice things because <laughs> you know butterfly effect, sad gorilla died, and now now we just can't. You know, everything's just off. Yeah.
0: This this is yeah, like yeah.
1: this is uh, Galadriel's version of the Harambe timeline. Where instead of just spending like 800 years just chilling out with and her favorite person ever, Keleborn uh, is P-O-W-M-I-A. She doesn't know if he's alive or dead. And so she's going through <laughs> her own darkest lo- timeline, and now she's angry and confused and lashing out and all this stuff.
0: So, so <laughs> yeah, like
1: okay. that's, that's kind of like – that. That that's funny that's, to me. It's like, okay, we know this is how it went in the thing, but like, you know, we – Butterfly affected a little bit. Just take <laughs> Kellaborn out of the picture temporarily. He's going to come back because we can't actually kill characters off like that. But just okay. like have him get lost for a while, and then just see how that like creates turmoil for this character. So that's okay. kind of clever. I like that's. I don't know if that's exactly the thought process the showrunners had. That's my first lore hot take on Mad and Sad Beladriev. <laughs> <Glad laughs> um, and
0: well, I, I makes- have another one too. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, well, I have to make this comparison first. Um, yes. And that is so the Galadriel that we have is like the Avengers endgame Hawkeye, who's lost his family. Yes. And now he's just gone the Punisher and exactly. he's angry. And, and, and eventually somebody's going to be like, Oh, yeah, then like back when I was in like, you know, the the i don't know like whatever the bamboo cage in 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 mordor frozen land i there was another guy named there named keleborn and he was super cool and glad you'll be, like, be like what
1: <laughs> yeah don't do that don't give me hope yeah that's exactly <laughs> yeah. it yeah
0: she's she's like the the um post thanos snap Just... hawkeye <laughs> yeah, this is gone unhinged in the Punisher and is just killing things just so she can feel something again. So, okay. Um, I mean, (laughs) that's an arc. If We were asking, you know, you're saying that Galadriel didn't have an arc before. Uh, Before she was just, you know, gardening and probably like composing sonnets and literally dancing in the moonlight with her husband. And now it's, um, yeah, punished Galadriel, the seeker of vengeance. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And there's another classic Vulcan
1: legendarium arc that I think they're also drawing a lot of elements from, which is the story of Feanor, which has been referenced a couple times in the series so far, but has never really been explained. So I think they're bringing over certain traits from Feanor, who is actually Galadriel's uncle, if I remember right, and using them to make her character more dynamic and maybe more morally ambiguous.
0: Okay. So Feanor also had a punished You know, I seek vengeance against the darkness, no matter how dark that makes me kind of vibe to him.
1: Yeah. And uh, so last last time we met, you were like, hey, so what even is like a Silmaril? Like, what's a Silmaril for? Okay, so (laughs) we're bringing it full circle. We're bringing it back around because Feanor was the creator of the Silmarils and the Silmarils are the focus of Tolkien's narrative of the First Age. So everything that happens in the Rings of Power prologue, all that like really cool stuff that Amazon doesn't have the rights to and they've got to kind of dance around it, all yeah, of yeah. that is, is like tied up with the story of Feanor, the creation of the Silmarils, and then Morgoth stealing the Silmarils from
0: Feanor. Okay. So, but why, but what's a Silmaril and why is Silmaril and who's Silmaril? Silmaril? Can you, can you, what's, what's going on with that?
1: Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, fir, so
0: first stage, right? So like Ero, right. Luvatar, he like makes the everything, right?
1: Yeah. So, and, and there's a few ages where there, it's just kind of like uh, the Valar and Morgoth and they're just kind of bonking around doing their own thing and there's no elves or anybody else, right? Um, and then first stage is when the elves wake up. They do their whole deal. Da 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 da. da, da. There's the trees in Valinor. They're radiant. They're pretty. Whatever all this great <laughs> yep. stuff. Um, and a bunch of the elves come to live in Valinor, and they learn all this cool stuff from the Valar, right? So that's the group that uh, Galadriel belongs to. Her brother Finrod belonged to, and her uncle Feanor is one of them too. Uh, and he becomes like the greatest craftsman to ever exist ever canonically in Tolkien's whole thing and he gets this great idea of what if I could make something that could capture and hold the light of these trees, to so where even if the trees go out, these things will still kind of preserve that. So he makes the Silmarils, which are these three gemstones. Um, and he's uh, super proud, super arrogant, very powerful and intelligent character, um, but he's also a little bit paranoid and distrustful, and he's, you know, he's really prideful. So uh, Morgoth the, the big bad, gets this idea of like, okay, Feanor is the weak link here, because he's awesome, but he's also a jerk. <laughs> and I really want to get the, the Silmarils away from him. <laughs> So, back to Rings of Power Prologue, and that thing where the, the trees are like shriveling up and dying. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, they kind of get burnt out or whatever. Yeah,
1: at that moment uh, Morgoth did that, <clears throat> and it was part of like a, a hat trick of like super villain bad stuff. He kills the trees, and everybody's sad. Uh, He kills the High King of the Noldor, and everybody's sad. And he steals the Silmarils, and then everybody's sad. And then Feanor, like, takes it personally. So he and his (laughs) son Michael Jordan, and I took that personally. Yeah, and I took that personally. So everybody, all the elves, all the Valar, are mad because Morgoth just did a ton of evil stuff, right? But Feanor makes it personal. And he and his son swear this oath that they are going to recover the Silmarils no matter who gets in their way, no matter what cost. And they swear that oath, and then they uh, kill other elves and steal boats and go to chase down Morgoth. And it's just the start of them doing all this other, like, really horrible stuff in pursuit of what was originally, like, a noble goal. They want to track down and punish this horrible, evil guy who did a bunch of bad things. But they swear to do it, like, no matter what it takes <laughs> and in order to fulfill that oath they they become the baddies they're like at the end of it they're like are we the baddies and then and then yeah they're the baddies that's the moral of the yeah story. yeah they're, so they're the bad guys <laughs> so that that's where we are at with galadriel right now where she has this oath of revenge and in her mind she's going to pursue that revenge no matter the cost and throughout this season we've kind of seen the character become more and more aware of how their single-minded pursuit of revenge even if they want revenge against sauron who's like the worst and most evil thing ever at the i mean you know morgoth is worse but he's out of the picture um she's becoming consumed by it and there's this theme of the pursuit of revenge against evil can like turn somebody evil you know and then she's like talking about like genociding and all that stuff and Adar's like, Oh, cool, so yeah, you're pretty evil, huh? You know, and that, that seems yeah, to have, yeah. <laughs> that seemed to have sent her into a uh, moment of introspection. And now in episode seven she's like, Oh, you know, can't do this ends justify the means thing anymore. So it seems like Adar got through to her,
0: which is a weird <laughs> term. Yeah, yeah, your approval fills me with shame, Adar. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and yeah, and she's able to provide that for young Theo Brogue there. Like, you know, don't don't be jazzed about doing really nasty stuff to nasty people. It's it's not great. So, yeah, she seems to have kind of turned that corner almost casually. It feels like because just in the previous episode, she was about to like. I don't know, like break every Geneva convention and start carving pieces off this guy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. uh, um, uh, it it was a little of so. Yeah,
1: from where she was at the end of episode six to where she is by the middle of episode seven. But I also kind of feel like um, blowing yourself up with a volcano is kind of a rock bottom moment. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I can kind of see it there.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, I will admit that when they were pouring all the water in and like, oh, there's going to be explosion. I'm like, is that a normal thing? Does that sort of thing happen? And, you know, and we looked it up and like, yes, like, well, one steam go boom, but also like they, you know, they actually did their homework. And I, I don't know about a volcano turning an entire section of a continent into a permanent death zone forever is a normal thing but you know it was a fun idea and it was kind of a neat way of saying this is how it is and i i know that i want to say that um in in tolkien's expanded writings there's parts of mordor that are still like good for growing like food and stuff so it's like it's not all just a hellish deathscape. but i don't know that was kind of fun um I don't know. It, it was a good idea, and it, it kind of in it at least it gave Adar and his orcs like a discernible goal aside from hey, orky orcs do orky orc things. So I guess that's good. You know, when we get to have a land of our own, he's like some sort of like evil Moses or something, where he's like, and now this is our promised land, except with ash and, and endless fire and and no water forever, and the sky is dark. Yeah, you, you know, you know, so, um,
1: last episode when we were talking about it, I, I was talking about like the Colonel Kurtz vibes. Of Adar and the <laughs> Marcus Garvey vibes, but I, I did not catch on the Moses vibes. And he even had that big speech at the start of the episode of like, yeah, we have wandered from wherever to wherever. And now to here, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Orc Moses, Moses vibes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, why not, I think they're you know? setting it up for there's kind of this possibility of the orcs like living free from. I guess the Dark Powers, writ Large, Sauron, Morgoth, whoever. And then we're going to kind of see them get roped back into the Sauron gig. And maybe Adar does like a resistance fighter thing and eventually, you know, whatever. We'll see how it goes. But I think they're setting it up to be like the orcs kind of had like this little window to do something different. Um, and it's going to be taken from them. So I'm interested to see how they play that in the rest of the show. It probably won't go
0: anywhere this season because... You know, we still haven't even seen Sauron yet, but maybe season two, that'll be a cool arc. No, and that would be kind of an interesting thing because that would be the ultimate, um, how would I say, humanization of the orcs that not only do they have free will, but they've just been screwed over, over, and yeah. over again. They didn't they didn't ask to be created. They didn't ask to be monsters. They didn't ask to be used by can and fodder by not one, but two different megalomaniacal, cosmic level bad guys. And then, you know, three, when they actually had things... They had, a, they had a brief window where they had some self-determination that will end up probably being taken away from them, yeah. either wittingly or unwittingly. So actually, that's, I don't know, that gets my that gets my angst juice flowing. That sounds kind of cool.
1: So yeah, um, if, if we loop it back again to the whole thing of like the Oath of Theanor and the Revenge Oath and all that stuff, and, and how that's part of what is tearing up Galadriel's character so much, I think that brings us back to, are our favorites, you know, the uh, the show's greatest romance, Elrond and Dorn oh themselves, gosh. who have their oath upon the rock of the Misty Mountains. Um, mm-hmm. So there's oh, some room there of like, oh, no, is this going to be another case of an oath entered into for good reasons, having horrible and tragic results?
0: Yeah, and I kind of like how they're both... In a way between a rock and a hard place, appropriately so, Uh, where, yeah, they both have loyalty to their own kingdoms and their own peoples, but they then feel loyalty to each other. And those shouldn't come into conflict, but they kind of are. Uh, I I think it's kind of interesting where they both really want similar things, but are both kind of feeling torn by their respective loyalties. Yeah, it's actually fun. Again, Elrond and Durin, they they they're, they're the best part of the show. So, so far, great. they really yeah, they're are. really good. They're so great. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. Love it. Got to have more of it. You know, we we get more Elrond and Doran or else we riot, yeah. kind of thing. Yes, um, please. <laughs> so okay, and just as a one one last thing, I I don't know if we've actually talked about this or not. So is more. So I know that in Lord of the Rings, Sauron he was like just I. I from my distant memories and also even from everything else Sauron was just kind of like this metaphysical force, you know, like he's just like a bad dude, but in this time he was like disguising himself as an elf and possibly had physical form. Yeah. He he, he did have physical form. Yeah. Okay. I guess. So like, what are they kind of Okay, I mean, I know they're bad. I know they're evil angels. They're like, you know, they're, they're like evil, bad, not Valar things but what's their deal? Okay, so this is a good question. Um,
1: with this kind of class of whatever kind of beings in Tolkien in general, um, they're called Maiar, or the the handful of most important, strongest ones are called Valar, right? So Morgoth is one of them, uh, and then there's a handful of Valar in Valinor who are sort of like the regents of Eru Iluvatar, right? Um, and they are mm-hmm. spirits, and they have bodies, but destroying the bodies doesn't destroy the spirit, and they can kind of, over time or through certain techniques, get a different body. Um, and some of them are very good at changing shape. Sauron, in particular, has a big shapeshifter deal going on, <laughs> bringing us back to his little werewolf phase. Um, Hence werewolf. <laughs> yeah, but, so, so like, Morgoth had a body, um, and he, he, we talked about him being, like, super petty a few times. Um, there's a thing where, like, a, one of the elf kings, it just gets furious one day, cops on his horse, rides straight to Morgoth's fortress, bangs on the door, and is like, just, you know, 1v1 me, bro. Um, and then Morgoth does something very petty and very stupid. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, you want to throw hands, or, you know, knock <laughs> if you buck. And Morgoth just goes out and he just fights this guy, like, one-on-one, like, in the middle of his like little evil empire. He's like, no, 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 he's all mine. I got him. Um, <laughs> and but uh, he, he gets more than he expected. He plays himself, not for the first time or the last, uh, and he actually gets pretty badly wounded by the elf guy before he, you know, smushes him. Um, but that <laughs> even if he had died in it, that wouldn't have, like, taken Morgoth out of Middle-earth. He would have gotten, like, a new body or something over time. You can kill, like, their physical shape, but you can't kill the being. So Sauron has this, like, physical encasement, I guess, um, and at different times he loses it, um, but then he reaccumulates a new body later on. So like in Lord of the Rings, he's like still working on the body, so that's why there's the eye kind of represents him symbolically. But then in the prologue right. of Lord of the Rings, he's like a big scary horse skull guy. You know, because at that point he had a body and he had the ring, so he was, you know, that was his like super saiyan thing.
0: Okay, so what's he doing in the second age? The second age where like were- werewolf thing happens
1: do i get to see that okay no unfortunately uh okay i do have like a hot take theory that we can oh, loop gosh. around to again uh, touching on the werewolf thing but the werewolf phase <laughs> was strictly a first age <laughs> thing so by by the time of rings of power sauron's already been there done that he got it out of his system he's embarrassed of it you know it's like his his awkward high school yearbook that nobody signed you know, he he wants to put that <laughs> chapter behind him. Um, okay, so so real quick, like like Sauron's arc <laughs> as as like a Tolkien supervillain. So I guess he's one of the first guys to start working with Morgoth, who is the big bad, right? So he goes with him right. to Middle Earth after the the Great Silmaril heist and all that, and he's sort of like the second in command, but he doesn't really get to do anything super interesting to where we hear about it in the story until uh, i guess morgoth's forces capture this elven tower and it's it's a strategic location he's like this is our, our this is our fob we're going to forward deploy here and sauron this is your moment you know you are taking command of this tower so then sauron's like all right i'm i'm right in the thick of things now i'm right in the middle of it this is my time to shine i am gonna reinvent myself and he just goes <laughs> Typer, all in on this werewolf
0: thing like <laughs> Sauron, captain of morgoth to prove his quality yeah exactly you know, yeah, that's, yeah that's
1: his thing he's doing his suicide charge in um, and, and he just he just leans all the way into this werewolf thing it really is like a scene kid thing where you know it's a total commitment you change your hair you only dress in certain colors it's like a you know, mascara, whatever. It's a whole big thing. So he's like, I'm taking <laughs> werewolf form. I'm naming my tower, you know, the, the Isle of the host of werewolves. I am stuffing this place with werewolves. If you're a werewolf and you work for Morgoth, you know, y- your next duty station, Isle of the host of werewolf, werewolves under Sauron, the, the newly minted werewolf. And he's like, you know. The new
0: alpha chad yeah, werewolf, it's, the coolest it,
1: werewolf that ever exactly. was. And he's like, you know, it's not a phase dad. This is who I really am. And then he does that for a little while, and then uh, Baron and Luthian run into him, and uh, he, he just gets, like, punked so badly in front of all the forces in Morgoth that he just gives up on the werewolf thing completely and, like, never speaks of it again. Like, I, I think werewolves just, like, vanish from the legendarium at that point, too, so it's almost <laughs> like he, like, got rid of all the other werewolves because they, like, remembered his embarrassment <laughs> of, like, how bad he got his stuff wrecked in this moment um and and then you know i guess like a lot of you know kids who flirt with like a counterculture for a little bit and then you know that they they lose all their cred and then they they go back to american eagle or whatever <laughs> and, and they they uh you know register for business school i basically sauron like went back and got his mba you don't hear much of him for the rest of the first age um and then after morgoth's defeat um he kind of you know has his rock bottom moment. He's like, Do I really want to go with this whole you know, grandiose evil thing? Um, and he's like, Yeah, yeah, I do. He gets his Six Sigma black belt, you know, he he gets his engineering <laughs> degree, whatever. And then that's when he does his whole like uh maybe I'm an elf, maybe I'm something else, you know, here I am, Anatar, let's make some jewelry whole arc there. Um, you know, and then in the background, he's also getting the Mordor thing up and so then he goes back, uh, he does his full, like Jason Bateman, like evil corpo suit guy. <laughs> and it's like, haha, it was me, Lord of Mordor all along. And then he invades and, you know, th- then that's the whole, like, that's the thing. Um, and then he stays in his like evil CEO set for, for the rest of his time.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what about Paul Allen's ring of power? Yeah. You know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I I want that. I I I think we'd previously keyed in on Sauron being a a six sigma type, but that yeah, now full Jason Bateman he's that's, all that's uh, great.
1: efficiency and order and um, top down hierarchical organization. Um, I, I swear the only reason why he likes working with orcs so much is okay. Have you ever seen ads for the like this thing Huel? It's like it, what? it's it's. It's Soylent Green, dude. It, it's like, uh, it's like, it, it's yuppie chow it's, is what it is. You it's know, it's just like, you know, people? just to add water and microwave for 30 seconds, you know, free of offensive flavors and textures. <laughs> it, it's it's yuppie cool. Um, And, and I swear, like, I, I don't know, like the internet. It's like a Reddit, YouTube ad? Are I, you like scrolling on I Facebook? Just, just, or just are you it watching it TV? I don't know, man. Maybe I'm doing something that just signifies yuppie on the internet. And they're just like
0: aggressively advertising to me
1: um and i'm like so it's like, it, it, like
0: a it's like a low effort bachelor chow yes food it's, it's, kind it's of absolutely
1: thing. Like, like sad bachelor chow, but it's marketed as like you know you, you're in a hurry you're busy you're an efficient guy get those macros <laughs> eat your yuppie chow you know that kind of thing like and, okay anyway bringing it back around like i'm certain that the only reason why Sauron works with orcs so much instead of like literally anybody else is because he can get them to eat like the Sauron <laughs> yuppie chow. Like, okay, you know, we kind of talked about like, you, it. They're, they're not. There's you what like kind the of orcs have like a really... that they got in Mordor? You know what I mean? Like, he's got like hundreds yeah. of thousands of orcs, and it's like, what are they eating?
0: I mean, I'm sure he's he's just like you know. Yeah, if meat's back on the menu, what are they? What's when it, yeah. what's what's on the menu when they're not eating meat? Yeah. yeah, like so. Are you just saying the orcs just like have a really bad union and that like sour? Oh come like, on, Mort- there's no way Mordor like,
1: is unionized. Are you kidding me? Of, of course yeah, not. Mordor like, is a right to work state. Come on.
0: <laughs> Whoa, as a guy who lives in a right to work state, I will have you know that we see the sky at least three times a year. None of this like endless darkness <laughs> stuff. Okay, like there are green leafy things occasionally. Don't I? Don't put that on me. It's yeah. better. Than I mean. That. is definitely
1: one of those employers who's
0: like don't talk about your pay
1: with your co-workers
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you're right and these orcs aren't like wait that's against federal law like yeah like they're not going to be the ones to do that they're orcs they're like yeah i can't get like man like it's not like i can get a it's not like i can work at like elf whole foods they're never orcs are the kinds
1: of are the kinds of guys who will be like like hey don't rock the boat just keep your head down you know, you can make partner in 500 years, you know, just don't blow it. <laughs> oh, oh, corporate mortal. Okay, okay,
0: we'll, we'll move on to the next thing. Okay. But I just have, well, do orcs live a long time? I mean, like, so, obviously uh, their life expectancy is not great considering like, their line of work. That's the but thing, like, we don't know. seeing as they're like, you know, they're like uh, distilled grunge elves. Do they live like a long oh, time? Yeah, man. They're, they're,
1: yeah, grunge elves. Yeah, okay, so if, if <laughs> elves are functionally immortal... Then, like, yeah. like, why would an orc not be?
0: So, like, As, I, aside okay. from the fact that, like, they're like they get like metal plates in their heads, and they're like, you know, oh, I'm yeah, assuming massive not, infection risk, right? Like, but, yeah, yeah, and they're not worried about their cholesterol. Okay, at so all. so throwback, so, but like
1: all the way to I think episode three, like the the uh, the the labor camp jailbreak episode, you know the one?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You remember the, actually, the, the
1: the the mean orc that like hassles the guys and then and then kills one of the elves. He's wearing yeah, like one yeah. of those like first age elven helmets that we saw in the trailer, and of course it's I mean elf stuff lasts forever, so it's possible he just came across an old helmet at some point, right? It's it the same a trophy, yeah. Or something. It was like I don't know, they found like first age elf swords in the Hobbit in, in like a ditch in the woods, basically. So you know there's precedent, but another possibility is that that orc was around in the first age and is like at least centuries old and collected the trophy himself so they didn't outright say it but i feel like it's a hint that within rings of power at least that orcs live a very very long time and maybe are functionally immortal like elves are just food for thought i mean
0: yeah why not but that just makes it even more depressing because that means that guy has been like you know Getting his grind on, taking it to the max, you know, putting in the extra effort at the firm for a long time and he's like barely made like corporal (laughs) in like a dark army or something like that. Well it it would
1: also explain why Adar was so emotional in his introduction scene where, you know, he's uh giving that orc guy his his send off, you know. So that that's something
0: these are the things I think
1: about late at night. Like what was with that orc (laughs) with the old helmet?
0: Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's a special brand of mental illness that we share. And then, so, you know, social science teaches us that there's like a bell curve, right? Right. Like everything about the universe, you get enough data, you kind of get like a big peak at the middle, because that's sort of the truth of things. And then there's like weird stuff at the tail ends. Well, social scientists, science teaches us that people are the same way, right? Most people are like, you know, near the top of the mound and like, you know, do normal things and like normal things have... Normal responses to outside stimuli. And then there's like really weird people on the ends. Like we're talking like weird people, okay? People who actually like willingly, you know. I don't know, become insurance actuaries oh, or, yeah. or join join the army that? like we did or whatever, you know, just normal things. Yeah. We are those weird people and we provide that service to everybody else so they don't have to suffer the horrors that we do. Yeah, we, we went to grad
1: school in, in social science
0: disciplines so that uh, our audience doesn't have to. <laughs> we, yeah, we did yeah. that so you yeah. didn't have to go through that. Thank me for my service. That's right. A- anyways. Um, so speaking of things that are horrifying and keep me up in the long watches of the night, spiders. What's with spiders? In oh, yeah. The totally, I hate totally spiders. They're, spiders. They're They're horrifying. I have to close my eyes like a little wuss every time Shelob shows up in Return of the King to this day. Still can't do it. I'm too far in. I'm, like, in my 30s, and I still can't bear to watch it. I'm never going to do it. And I live in terror that spiders are going to show up again at any time in these TV shows, and I'm going to have to actually, like, deal with it. What's the deal with the spider thing? And, 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 And isn't Shelob, like, I know that she is, like, isn't she some, like, sort of... Leftover spider from a previous time, and so, like, presumably, there used to be a lot more like her or something. Yeah, so okay. Um,
1: if you're an arachnophobe and you're worried about spiders popping up in the series, um, I've got good news for you and I've got bad news for you. Which one do you want first? Okay, uh, bad news. So, bad news is that it is very, very likely we're gonna see Shelob again in this series. Like, I would actually, I would be surprised, no, not hot, not not hot goth girlfriend Shelob, like spider Shelob, actual Shelob, like that's a video game thing, okay? (laughs) But I think it's, I would actually be astonished if they didn't take up the opportunity of having something with Shelob in it, because everything all lines up, we're already doing all this Mordor stuff, it's the right time period, They're they're, they're gonna do it, don't fight it, let it happen. But I have good news for you too, do you want the good news? Uh,
0: I think I need it right now. Okay,
1: so the, the good news is that... uh, So you're correct that there was a bigger, worse, more horrible spider. Um, And fortunately it's dead <laughs> or gone or something. It like ate itself like Ouroboros style in age one. So that's out. That one's totally gone.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, horror hunger. Got but it. But a great um... anecdote about
1: the, the OG nightmare spider. Um, It ties into another great time where... Morgoth uh, played himself. <laughs> um, he did not check <laughs> himself. Trust no he one. almost wrecked himself. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, Trust no one, not even yourself, Morgoth. <laughs> yeah. So throwback to the time that Morgoth uh, killed the trees and stole the Silmarils. The way that he killed the trees actually was he found this, you know, crazy hardcore spider that's just like a, like a hit of hunger and like cosmic hunger just wants to consume things, whatever. You know, a little eldritch horror kind of spider. Named a yeah,
0: the and Got then he, it. Yeah, a little
1: bit of Lovecraft in this one. Although I, he came up with her before Lovecraft became a thing. So, like, props to Tolkien. But Morgoth yeah. is basically like, hey, Ungolian, you want a snack? And then Ungolian's like, yes, always. And he's like, how about you go eat those trees <laughs> over there? And Ungolian's like, don't gotta tell me twice. You know, goes for it, chows down. <laughs> um and then uh so that worked out (laughs) i don't want to see this you won't have to that's that's the good news (laughs) but so so that part of the plan works out you know he he steals the uh, silmarils they make their escape whatever they're back in middle earth and then the part where he plays himself is that like by gorging on these divine plants uh ungoliant swelled to massive size and power and then was kind of (laughs) like you know what hey yeah that after that you know little snack I'm kind of feeling like chowing down on, like, maybe a god or something. Uh, and then goes after Morgoth. Um, <laughs> and then he literally screams so loud in terror that all of his buddies show up and, like, bail him out and drive Ungoliant away into whatever mountains. And then I think she literally eats herself. I think that's how it ends. So that whole arc is, like, pretty brutal. Like, that's that's pretty nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, close brush with death for Morgoth, almost getting himself eaten by the very devil void spider he himself had engorged on sacred trees
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. i wish i had something <laughs> you know, all... for that but it, it's a wild story. no we've all we've all been there we've all brought yeah, in you know relate? other worldly horrors that are you know embodiments of the void themselves that you know then eventually turn on us we've we've all been yeah, there i mean off, hey we, we've all been to
1: college you know we've all done the, the <laughs> eldritch horror that turns upon you thing right that's just part of the experience <laughs>
0: Okay, you didn't ask for it, but you're going to get a slight personal anecdote. Okay, let's hear it. Just to help you understand how much I do not like spiders, spiders are intrinsically linked with my psyche. Like, you can tell how stressed out I am by the level of spider in my life. And by the level of spider in my life, I mean in my dreams. So when I start having spider nightmares, that's when I know that I'm getting really stressed out, and I need to, like, de-stress, detox for a little while. For instance, in college, one time I had a dream where I was walking into my own bedroom and my backpack was sitting by the door where I leave it. And then in between, you know how zippers come together, a spider leg reached out between the two zippers. And then a second one right next to oh, it. And man. they started pulling the zippers apart. <laughs> and then of course I wake up in terror. I'm like, ah, ah, oh, ah. Okay. And I'm like, gosh, finals are getting to me, man. Well, so that's, that's why I have to ask about the spider thing. Zach. Because the spiders are an, a barometer of my own mental psyche. They're like the madness meter in video games where you're like, oh no. Like he's like that, that it's, it, that madness meter would be like a beaker full of spiders well, for me. Zach, I, I have, first, I got to tell you,
1: then you actually, uh, you share a psychological complex with our man J.R.R. Tolkien. He, too, had uh, recurring spider-themed nightmares. And that's, <laughs> I, I, unless I'm, like, really mistaken here. I know for certain that he had a recurring nightmare about waves, and that was part of why he came up with the Numenor thing. Uh, spoiler alert for anyone listening. Um, yeah, Numenor really does sink. That's for real. Um, and I think he also had spider <laughs> dreams, and then that's why, like, weird demon spiders are just a recurring light motif. Um, I also want to answer your anecdote with an anecdote because oh, I, I also have like a madness gauge type of dream. Um, <laughs> mine is that I will dream that I'm back in the army for some reason. Oh, <laughs> and then what will happen is halfway through the dream. I will realize like, wait, I'm not in the army anymore. I have a real job. I'm late for my real job because I'm doing army stuff for free and then i have like an anxiety attack within the dream so that, that's <laughs> that's my madness meter dream it's wow I, i'm trying to figure out if that's worse or the spiders are worse i, I you know I'd, I'd be better off I, with me they're both pretty bad yeah that's they're still pretty, pretty bad. bad being in the they're army when you don't of... have to be in the army is just like I well, would you know <laughs> would yeah, not recommend yeah it.
0: if you're gonna yeah, be in it no, you might as I mean, well get
1: paid for it you know if you're like you have yeah. another job somewhere else and you're doing army stuff
0: for free like Mm-hmm. yeah at least get some care out of yeah, it you know hard. like and and yeah okay okay totally cool so all right so we've kind of done a lot this time we've talked about episode seven we've talked about uh we've gotten some deeper lore into the first age we've kind of gotten more into the kind of hilariously bad character like almost like laurel and hardy three stooges level hijinks of morgoth and sauron is there a buddy film waiting to be made about those two guys i feel like like there's something there
1: yeah
0: is morgoth kind of like the i've got this wild idea and he's like this bigger larger than life charismatic type whereas sauron's like kind of his like miserly you know straight man is is that kind of of the way to describe
1: morgoth is so like in the cosmic sense of Tolkien's thing like Morgoth is is he's straight up just like Lucifer he's like the first and greatest of the the totally not angels of the Valar um and in the sort of stage where Iluvatar is creating the universe and he's having the Valar kind of help him out and play bit parts in it uh Morgoth is the one that Iluvatar like reveals the most of his plan and his knowledge and his ideas to right but then it's like Morgoth gets this thing where he he's he just has main character syndrome, and he's mad he's not the only guy. Like he's literally like the number two in the entire universe, and he's still like I want to be it's I want to do just, my own thing, um. And he's just like just in not good enough. right, but but because he's like so prideful and everything, he 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 always makes time to be petty, and that's one of the best things about Morgoth. Another like petty Morgoth moment is there's this time where. <laughs> Um, he captures uh, a, a mortal man, not even like an ancient undying elf with like centuries of history with him, like a, a guy, just a dude <laughs> named Huron. And and Huron kind of like, you know, gives him attitude or whatever. And then Morgoth's like, you know what? He checks his watch. He's like, you know, I got time today. All right, Huron. I'm going to set you on this rock. I'm going to use all my power to make sure that you stay alive as long as I need you to. I'm going to like telepathically share my vision with you. And I'm going to devote like a massive amount of time and effort to cursing all of your kids and relatives and then like having you watch the curses play out gradually over the course of decades. And then Huron is probably like, dude, aren't you like fighting a multi-front war against like many, many, many people while trying to overthrow God himself? And Morgoth's like, yeah, yeah, but I got time. I got time for you, yeah. Huron. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but screw you in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind screw of you in particular, Huron. Um, so classic Morgoth moment. He he makes time to do stuff like that. Sauron no. Sauron's like he he's he's not gonna waste his time on just anybody. You know, he's the uh, I'll take dinner with Jay Z kind of guy. You know, not everybody's worth my <laughs> yeah. time. Morgoth's like anybody is worth being petty over. You know. I think Sauron. It, Sauron only tries to do these like kind of one v one petty things a couple times ever, and every time it goes so badly for him. So maybe that's why he's kind of like, oh no, no, I'm going to be the suit. You know, I'm yeah, I'm going to yeah, chill I'm out in seat. the
0: tower. Yeah, it, yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I've got meetings to go to. I've got you know executives yeah, I'm, I'm to very busy. Like, yeah, yeah, you talk to my executive yeah. <laughs> assistant. Like I don't have time for this. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, and I guess, oh, this leads to um, I have a bonus question yes. for you for today. Let's hear it. So I watch everything with subtitles all the time. It's an old habit. It's pretty much, I always do it. it it's a thing. Because of that, I have noticed in the show that there seems to be two different elf languages being spoken. Uh-huh. One's like Sindarin Indeed. or something like that. And the other one is something that starts with a Q. Yes. Can you tell me what the deal with those? Okay, are? so we we talked about this. Because to me, elf talk is elf talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but...
1: we we touched on this a little bit last time we were talking, when we got into the whole Tolkien is a philologist or a a yes. scholar of language deal. Um. So not only did he invent a language, he actually invented like over the course of thousands of years, the languages would branch and diverge in different ways. So when we're talking about uh Cinderin and Quenya, those are two different elf languages which share a common origin, but the Quenya language was spoken by the elves who went to Valinor and stayed there for a few millennia, while Cinderin is like the prestige language of elves who remained in Middle Earth. So they're related and he like had he had them branch out like like with consonant shifts and stuff like that. This is, this is what this man did for fun. <laughs> this is why we admire yeah, him. Like, like, you know, we're talking about stuff like Tolkien just did this. And millions of people throughout the decades have been like, that's fantastic. I need more of this, but yeah, so they are, they're <laughs> different, but related Elvish languages. And generally Quenya is associated with the Noldor, the ones who were in Valinor and then came back in the first stage for the, uh, the Great Morgoth Smackdown.
0: Okay, which is why uh, I think Ellen Deal he speaks some Quenya. Yeah, um, so that's how you, you know,
1: know he's a big brain, you know, high man. Is because a lot of Numenorians speak Sindarin because they're still connected with Middle Earth. But you gotta be really, really up on stuff to speak Quenya. So um, yeah, Deal is like way deep into this elf nerd stuff. He's a total elf weeb, That's which is cano- canonical <laughs> to Tolkien stuff too. He's a massive elf. Weed
0: well i mean i but aren't all tolkien fans eventually elf weebs on some I mean, level yeah at another? some point yeah that's what we all become okay all right um then in that case i thank you for answering that for me it was an astute um, observation
1: you have a keen okay, eye well, when I, you're watching with your closed captions
0: i i'm trying you know and i'm trying to understand and so would that i and i always forget his name what's the name of our hunky mick hot bod um, e elf who's with this the the the, oh, the Ar- widow in um, Arendir. What's his name? Yeah, Arandir. So, uh, so he's like an elf blue helmet, right? He's yeah, like a okay. part of the UN <laughs> peacekeeping mission in Mordor, you know, why, making sure that fighting doesn't break out yes. again, kind of thing. So, would he? I, I, I heard, he would be I mean, a Cender. We don't speaker. know.
1: Yeah, he was what he would be a and speaker because he, okay, so he's from Valerian, which is the now sunken part of Middle-earth where the Sindarin language originated. So he would not be like a – he may also speak Quenya. I don't know if I've – I don't have an ear for it when I'm just watching. But he, he should be like a Sindarin speaker rather than Quenya speaker.
0: Okay, which is also, like you said, prestigious, but it's just not like the – it's not as close to the OG elf tongue that was the thing back during the Morgoth hate train kind of thing. So Yeah, you could
1: say that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then I, I feel, I, for one, feel a little bit more educated. Um, Okay. Well then what's, what's your final thoughts? What's the thing that you want to send out into the universe? What are you hoping for when we see the season finale? Is there anything in particular that you're just like, man, oh man, if they don't do this, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be sad time, Taylor, aside from the reveal that Halbrand is not, Sauron, exactly and then Sauron. Sauron's going to make his, he's going to, like, you know, make his appearance kind of at the very end of the episode, a la yeah. the Balrog Here Halbrand is, is I almost expect. dying
1: of an infected wound, you know, like Sauron would. Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a very, <laughs> that's a very, like,
1: you know, evil god thing to do, get an infected wound and almost die from it. Yeah, that's very Sauron. I don't know. Some well, people, they're... anything he does, people spend it to be like Sauron
0: I just need to know who, who are these people you're talking about? Where are it, they? It's totally they just are... like,
1: I, I think people just, cause back before the show launched a lot of people and I was one of them were going through the cast, like, okay, who's who like this, you know, whatever we have uh, character descriptions, but not their real names yet. We're matching everybody up. We had our little, like, you know, our paranoid schizophrenic conspiracy <laughs> boards of who's who. And, and I think some people never left that mentality and that's why they're like, Digging, you know, it's confirmation bias type stuff. They they want to believe that they decided that actor was going to be Sauron, like you know, six months ago, and they just haven't dug out of the hole yet. I feel like that's what it has to be.
0: Okay, um okay, but what are you hoping for aside from he's not Sauron? um I, If anything, okay,
1: um I would say although I'm disappointed that they seem to be really going with the whole Mithril deal. I like the way mm-hmm. that uh, King Durin, Durin the Elder, was selling it as, like, if this is happening, it's basically because the Valor planned it, and we should just go with the plan, right? Like, I thought that's oh, actually yeah. a very Tolkieny perspective coming from this character. So that leaves me open to the possibility that even though I maybe don't like this idea practically, that they're still going to continue to approach it in a Tolkieny way. So I, I really hope to see some kind of resolution to that. Hopefully we're going to see the beginning of, like, Project Ringcraft in Episode 8. But I, <laughs> I am, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic that they're going to bring this around in a way that's like a satisfying exploration of Tolkien's themes. Even though, like, like Tol- Mithril is, is not Silmaril magic. But, you know, I'm, I'm making my peace with it because I've kind of accepted that it's going to go somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm still I think I'm shocked like you were that the the Mithril did heal the sad tree and now lo- the, the leaf no longer has cancer. Yeah. and now like like, oh, like they no. like it's it's totally not like galaxy brain Sauron. It's all a lie. It's like at least partially true. So that's I don't know what to think oh, about that. Hey, last thing. I,
1: I, because oh, I gosh. mentioned this earlier, and I forgot to come back around to it, dude, the werewolves, okay, you remember um in some <laughs> okay. of the the harfoot scenes there's the weird wolves they're not wolves at all they've got like tusks and stuff they're crazy looking but they're not wargs either. Yeah. we saw a warg and it was it was uh-huh. like a spastic pug <laughs> um so it's like, what are these things? They keep calling them wolves, and they're they're clearly like another animal, and there's three of them, and there's also. Three creepy magic weirdos.
0: I I was about to say, who are the weird, who who are like the weird sisters who like just like burn down homeless people's homes for just like no reason kind of thing? Like, like what's what's going on? They're clearly
1: sinister. Um, They're very likely like Sauron affiliated, although we don't know how. And I suspect they may also be werewolves. They may be bringing the werewolf thing back into the second age, uh, much to Sauron's. (laughs) shame and embarrassment <laughs> you know of, of his scene kid werewolf phase being brought back into the light you know he's already prepped up his Anatar, and they're like hey remember us remember our whole werewolf thing like come on and no.
0: he's just gonna be like pretend you not know. to see them as they're walking oh, down the hallway you know like... i grew out
1: of that so anyway that that's that's my theory there is that they, they have kind of a wolf transformation thing well, i don't know maybe not because yeah whatever we'll see we'll see it's, that's a okay. a conspiracy theory of mine
0: Okay, well, okay, so what I'm hoping for, aside from more cool Numenorian stuff, because I think the Numenorean aesthetic is lit, oh, yeah. I think they've got this sweet, like, Byzantine, Persian, ancient Hellenic, kind of like, where all the cool, older, Western civilizations all mash together, and it's super awesome, and she's, and... The queen marries like a sweet, like almost Macedonian headburst thing going on. So I just want to see more with them, even though I know it's just going to go all down the dump. Yeah, or. you know, it's like, going to end it's bad,
1: just... but it's it, it's still pretty cool to watch.
0: Visual it, design. It's so the pretty cool, is so
1: cool.
0: Oh, yeah, I love them. They, that is that is my jam right there. They are fabulous. Um, but uh, what I'm also hoping to see and I know it's kind of like. Uh, kind of like you you said, it'd be too cute if Starman is Gandalf or whatever. I kind of want Halbrand to be the origin of the Rohirrim. I know we talked about it briefly in the last episode, but like all these Southlanders, right? These former inhabitants of Bifordor who need a new place to live. These are the people that in a way have rejected service in the Dark Legion's maybe for the first time, I guess, because their ancestors were just kind of conquered and then just, Hey, you guys have been demilitarized, you know, that kind of thing. And now these are the ones that are like, nah, dog, I ain't about that life. I don't need to be like huffed up on evil sauce. I'm a good person now and I want to be good. And, and they already kind of shifted the wheat from the tares there where the people who were susceptible to the, yeah, you can get back on Sauron's 401k, you know, yeah. they, they, they've already filtered themselves out. So, What I'm hoping is that these people, kind of as an extension of their uh, redemption, their elevation, their, you know, continuing initiation into good guy land, is that they get set up as something like, I don't know, the Rohirrim eventually. I know they said that they're going to go to some old um, Numenorean colony, Yeah. so I don't know how that squares necessarily, but basically... I'm hoping to see some sort of hint. Well, and I'm hoping, towards I'm hoping we get some sense of Rohan. scale
1: with them outside, like... We've literally seen, like, two villages, you know? So yeah. I think we have no sense of, like, how big the kingdom is or how many people are in it. It feels very, mm-hmm. very small scale. So if they do want to make it something of ongoing importance in future seasons, I'm really hoping that they do something to show us, like the extent, you know, how many people there are, how big of a deal it is. So maybe that's coming in in episode eight. Maybe they're not going to get around to it until next season.
0: Next season or something like that. And that's something that I want to, you know, learn more about because we get the... So we know that, like, that that eventually there's a Gondor. We know that Gandalf, or not Gandalf, Aragorn, rather, he came from another kingdom that was destroyed. And that it seems like... Uh, the, our feeling from the movies, at least, is like there's like little scattered settlements of men here and there, like the town of Brie. You know, Prancing Pony, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then there's like Rohan, which is definitely Tolkien's like, bro, Anglo-Saxons are the best. Stinky Norman French, boo, don't like them. What if I gave Anglo-Saxons horses, basically? It's <laughs> so that way they wouldn't get crushed at Hastings. I mean, they live in Middle-earth kind of thing. So that's his thing. And then he had Gondor, who are like the descendants of this like ancient Atlantean kind of blessed civilization and all that but you get the feeling that the world is a lot bigger we know like there is the witch king of Angmar, and i think that was like yet another kingdom i'm hoping we get that broader oh my gosh i'm such a nerd i want more geopolitical context to the world of middle earth yeah yeah (laughs) i I, want there to be
1: no i mean i I, I don't know if anybody listening is going to be like i feel you but i feel you we we need more geopolitical context for this you know yeah whatever yeah. characters are established plot lines great but like you know what is, what is the geopolitical balance of power in middle earth at this time you know <laughs> h- how much influence you know in, the, in, in i don't know the middle earth UN does gilgalad have how many nukes does gilgalad have probably not i'm
0: about to say like yeah what about nuclear proliferation how are we going to get these rings yeah how are we going yeah, to control, control okay. ring like... proliferation you know so everybody's got the technology now it's, it's yeah 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 so i guess that's what i'm kind of hoping for which so i'm so i'm the guy that came out of the prequel star wars trilogy and i'm like i want more senate scenes basically like i'm (laughs) one of those mentally ill people (laughs) so anyways well thank you taylor i think that that's that's enough i think our our our, we have we have given people more context to the first and second age we have talked a lot of werewolf um (laughs) Uh, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Um, and, uh, we, I think we can both say we are eagerly, eagerly awaiting the season finale of rings of power, especially because it's already been renewed for like four more seasons or whatever, you know, see where they're going to go with it. Um, Thank you very much for all that you have. Thank you for doing all that Silmarillion reading so that we don't have to. And we hope to. (laughs) Well,
1: okay. Everybody should read the Silmarillion. Some of the stuff we're going to talk about here. It's like, I read this so you don't have to, but the Silmarillion is good. Y'all will enjoy the Silmarillion. Just give it a shot.
0: Fair enough. Never let me disparage the worthy works of, of, of Tolkien himself. Either way, have a great time. We'll see you next week with our episode three of Rings of Power analysis and review on the season finale.